Hi there. Uh, in this episode, Peter and I are talking to our dear friend, Caroline. Uh, Caroline has traveled around the world. Uh, she has lived in many countries. And at some point, uh, she was going to be a nuclear scientist. We love talking to her because she always brings this passion and smart into any topics that she cares about. This time, we are having a wide range discussion regarding education. And we also bring a lot of personal anecdotes and experiences uh, from our uh, life, you know, interacting with education system in our respective countries. Without further ado, welcome to Cairo Calling. But Carol, the topic of the day is then that you wanted to send Dodie and I back to school. Is that it? Like, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this what is going it? to be a, a French exam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I want to send you back to school. Le col de Carol. Je suis Dodie. Uh, no, not back to school. Like it's, uh, well, I, I, I thought, uh, of this topic after, after we met in the UK and, uh, at some point I was like, damn, this would be such a good conversation. Uh, like, uh, what, uh, what would we like to see taught in school? Um, uh, would be such a great conversation with you, Peter, because of your walk of life, your way of life, your uh, endeavor in this life, uh, and uh, and being uh, working on disabilities and all all the struggles you had to uh, go through, plus the ones that you're like you know the fights that you're picking uh, now. This is. In my opinion, this is a great source of uh, identification of a number of things that why or oh why is this not taught in one way or the other in schools? And I don't mean just disabilities, but like values and uh, processes of building dialogue or building understanding or processes for fighting, but in a right, in a good way, you know, fighting towards something together. Uh, yeah. And then if I think of the three of us and the, the lives we have had, <laughs> the lives we are having and, and the incredible experiences that we went through, uh, I think we might have a few interesting things to say about this, and and like uh, our generations, like uh, not me personally, I don't have kids, but people our three different ages, <laughs> they do. <laughs> they We've do, got a podcast, Carol. I think that was. <laughs> the beginning we'll make a podcast together not um yeah yeah you've got a podcast yes. yeah so so uh so you know like they have kids those kids go to school and those schools as much as our entire society's systems need to transform so do schools so just one thing 
I am absolutely not of the opinion that we should educate kids so that things change. I am, I, I, I cannot stand that point of view. We need everybody that is alive now on board for the transformation. Doesn't matter the age. Uh, so that's one. And second, uh, what a what what a cruel thing to say that oh we couldn't do it and we're going to educate you better and and we let you deal with whatever we couldn't do <laughs> what no yeah that's, yeah that's the abdication of responsibility right I mean like mm -hmm. let the next generation mm -hmm. solve it I mean like what are you doing yeah. now you're still alive exactly. you know, you're capable you know. I can't recall that what a bold um what a bold topic and you framed it in a really loving loving way. I I I really appreciate that. Um and I think the other the other context is that the three of us love learning. Oh yeah. Right? And we're always we're always trying to learn, like following uh Dodie on Facebook, I learn perhaps more than when I went to university. Um, and I think we're always, like Carol, in the last few years, you kind of reinvented your career and you started that by just, I'm going to read some books uh, by myself. Um, and Dodie's, Dodie's Facebook is so informative because he will sort of learn prodigiously about um, whatever issue is most catastrophic in the news. <laughs> I'm the yeah. Doctor Doom, man. Huh? Yeah, that's your brand. Yeah. Um, but like, what's just to kind of like, just to kind of understand the playing field? Like, I was a bit of a nerd at school. Were you guys nerds? Dodie must have been a nerd. Carol, I can't, I can't tell. Carol might have been cool. I was cool. Yeah, are you cool? Were you pushing cool. like? If you saw me, like, in my misfitting clothes and dodgy hair, would you have pushed me about? Like, how cool were you? Oh, no. I was the really nice kind of cool. I was, I was, very, I was very popular. I was, uh, I was very nice. I was very, yeah. I was, and I was also, like, I was, of course, great at school, you know? And yeah. uh, uh, so, and I was helping a lot people that were like, eh, I don't understand this. I don't know how to do that. Like uh, cheating during tests. I was passing around the answers and stuff like that. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, see so you were bringing down education from the inside. Amazing. <laughs> Dodie, at school, did you know anyone that was cool and nice? Because uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't fit my so. I, I, I was nice. But I've, here's the thing, right? I I was smart, but I'm never I'm never the person that is that smart, right? So I'm in the always in the middle tiers. So I'm always in the top ten, but you know, instead of the top five, I'll be like number rank number nine, number ten. So I was always approachable, and uh, I did the same thing like uh, with Carol, right? If there's a test, right, I will be the one that passing, you know. Passing all the answers to the other kids next to me. So, yeah, there was a lot of cheating going on. I, <laughs> like exam I cheating. never did that. I never did that. I took education as the individual journey. It oh, was there meant you to go. Be. Yeah. 
<laughs> Look at Peter hiding behind his nerdness. <laughs> yeah. Oh my no, but that that was it was hiding behind it, but also being pushed behind it as as well. It was um and it was for for a while when I was younger, it was like a big source of my identity, right? Like how well I did in school. Um and I've tried to undo that after I've left school and university because they were kind of, I went then to schools and universities that were like, uh, look, you're better than other people because you're smarter than them. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> That's how I feel. That's why I came. Yeah. <laughs> and it's taken, it's taken many years to, to undo that. And, um, I mean, I've realized that people can be smart in different ways. Like, I, <laughs> but to really mean that, it's a, it's a cliche. But that's that's um, that's interesting. I love that you guys were helping people cheat in exams. Yeah. Well, I mean, cool. because they're your friends, right? It's solidarity. Right? Exactly. I mean, like we have a lot of exams. Right? The system is very, especially in Indonesia. I mean, during my time, anyway. It's very system-based. It's very test-based. Right? Whatever you study, there's always an exam. You know, there's so many exams. So, and they, they are, they, there's always kids that are always, you know, were misplaced, right? They're really good at art, right? But they're terrible at math right? or, or physics. And they will have struggle, you know? They're just unhappy. So we just help them along. <laughs> so, and we're all together. I was also like uh, in the in the courtyards, like me and a bunch of other kids. We were like the uh, philosophical debate advocacy group. So we would be sitting like at the center of the courtyard and being like, ah, la, 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 la. <laughs> and like discussing profound topics and stuff with like people gathered around and being like, ah, oh, ah. Oh. <laughs> Quite a different, yeah, quite a different environment for from the schools where I went to were like that there wouldn't necessarily be like that people being able to show that they were interested in those big topics without getting labeled, maybe. Okay. But that was hard and and um Adodi, you went um you went to school in Indonesia and then to University yeah. of Australia. Yeah. Was that a big uh, change? Uh, not really. I mean, it, the, the thing is, right, I mean, the biggest difference is that the school was always important for me, but reading is more. The reading was more. Oh. Right, within my family is, right? Like my parents will never, the joke, the common joke among my family is that, my, you know, my, my mom and my dad, they never really checked you know what my you know my grades were so as long as i'm reading something right whether this is fictions whether this is physics or so you know whatever books then they're fine with it right but no, there's no score checking so so in terms of school i mean like it's just as long as i can read as i continue to read so that the, so a lot of my education comes from that right i do i do do you have an idea where they got that from uh no, because like my okay, my my parents right. They my my dad he his education stopped at high school. My mom was a secondary high school, right? 
and and they were trained in this kind of like a, a Chinese communist system in Indonesia. So it's a very leftist, you know, kind of school, very philosophical Chinese way, and yeah, yeah. But it's, it's pretty much like the importance of being able to uh, reading has been nurtured to me and to my to my sisters. So, so for us, you know, as long you know you can spend as much money as you can, you know, all your pocket money, as long as they are about books, there is no limit to it, right? Newspapers, magazine, you know, books, so. Wow. So it's cool. Yeah. And, and the good thing is that that's the one that, you know, built me a habit of t- to continuously study and, and, and read and, and, and learn even up until now. So, so the education was not limited to the idea of school is the education. And then once you finish school, it stops. Right? It just built a long, a lifelong habit of studying all the time. So it's just normal, you know. And I will tell to friends or here, right? What do you do on the weekend? I'll say I'll study. So, although I'm not pursuing any degrees right now, and then you know, it just it's all on the pursuit of knowledge. So. That's uh, you know, that's something like the desire and the habit of uh, uh, continuously being curious and uh, finding ways to nurture that curiosity. It can be books, or it can be anything else. This is, for example, something that is not taught in schools and that is of enormous value. That would be one thing that, uh, that would be one thing to build into what school is. The desire, the curiosity, the, and also the, the freedom to actually, uh, uh, go after any kind of topics, even if it wasn't like given to you by a teacher or the school, like that's part of the time that you spend in school. Because like, okay, let's say one thing, like, have you ever realized the amount of your life as a kid and as a human being that you've spent sitting in front of a teacher at school? This is an insane amount of hours. So there, there could be time carved out of all this that is just about like being curious, finding like finding yourself, finding whatever uh, information in any shape or form uh, about something that uh, tickles your interest, and so that you get so that you get the you know with some tutoring and then just for you to. To if if it's not natural to you, just for you to find your bearings into this uh, thing. It really relates to what you said earlier to frame the discussion that we don't sort of. It's not fair to say, ah, uh, in school we'll teach people how to change things because we don't want to do that. I think this kind of it relates in the sense that there are lots of social issues that we go, ah, oh, like we should teach that in school, right? So one of the discussions in this country and the UK is like, oh, we should teach kind of colonialism in school, right? Because we've just forgotten how to do that. Sorry, no, what, what, (laughs) what? (laughs) Because we've forgotten what we did. Sorry, let me, let me, let me correct that. And then there's, but that's kind of like pushing the social 
the social subject onto the kids when like the adults don't sort of <laughs> don't don't want to investigate it or look into it further. And I think that's kind of I'm then caught in two ways on that. That yes, um, like our education system that skips from like a kind of a king in the 17th century that had lots of wives straight to the industrial revolution without mentioning empire doesn't necessarily like equip children with the best idea of this country and the world. Um, but there's like, you can carry on, you can carry on learning about that. And I think people really should. And it's, it's kind of, I turned that into the similar question just in terms of history like history was never taught in the way that, look, or not to me at least, this is a mechanism that you can get to know like the place that you're in. This is how you relate it to your life. This is how you might want to read about it more. It was never taught in that way. Likewise, kind of language, learning languages is a big passion of mine. And there, uh, people really have the idea that oh, unless you learn it when you're little, you won't get the chance, right? And yes. that's, that's kind of nonsense, even though it's a big, it obviously sort of gives a huge asset if you've learned it, learned it earlier. But there's so much that you can do later, and um, like languages were never taught in a way that, to me, that provoked that curiosity. I was terrible at languages in school. Not sorry, I mean not terrible. I was about like the level Dodie said he was in class, like. <laughs> <top>. <laughs> Top third, top quarter, and that to me was just not as good as 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 um, these subjects that I was probably good at, um, and so I did, and it never sparked my passion. It was only outside of school that I realised what well, learning languages is one of the main things that I want to do with my life. Um, so yeah, I really, I really, uh, I really resonate with that. I don't know. Like, I mean, we're we're a bit suspect because we, all three of us, really value that learning so much, right? For me, I would also say it comes from family rather than um, and the model of my parents rather than the teachers, with some with some exceptions. I had a kind of drunk English teacher who would just <laughs> rant about books that he read, and it was all it was all a bit weird. And why is he drunk at two in the afternoon? And why is he obsessed with cricket? <laughs> but I mean, he sent you on lines of some good novels and that that helped me study that. That was one of the inspirations that I studied literature from. So that like, shout out, uh, Mr. Bayes. Rest, rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace. He did the stories about him. He, he loved cricket, but he didn't love being outside. So he would invigilate cricket like he would referee cricket or umpire it from his car. And he would like use the indicator lights. Use the indicator lights. <laughs> we're now we're now bordering on territory of eccentric British elite education, which I've got quite a lot to say about. But let's not say it all at once. But that's is we we're, we're going to get we're going to get into that. No, I I think right um, when you're talking about school, we have to yeah you know discuss further about the the role of tests. Right, whether this standardized test or this all this frequent testing that you're doing, you know, to make sure that people are progressing, right? Uh, so I, I see the benefit of tests because, right, 
but I think the way you school frames it is more like you know like a like a qualification instead of a method of reminding you to consolidate your knowledge, right? So that's become something that people fear because you have to qualify. Yeah, you have to qualify. You know, I'm not good enough. Now this test is going, you know, I need to qualify again, qualify again and qualify again, right? Instead of just like a, a way to remind them, okay, these are the things that, you know, that you, you, we've been studying for the past three weeks or four weeks, right? And then, okay, this is the... A way to you know um, to consolidate your knowledge, right? Uh, there is there is a concept called spaced repetition, right? This is quite popular, right? If you have to memorize something, right? So you repeat, repeat memorizing it. You know, there's a there's a method to do that. Uh, it's, so it's I see that, a test as different. A, it's that different interval. Interval, right? like, a different like interval. If you remember yeah. it well, then it shows it to you later, and if you don't, it shows it yeah. to you tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, and that's very useful. So a test can be used. As that kind of thing, right? But right now, uh, I, I, because I have you know nieces and nephews, and you can still see that the the tests are still being used as a qualification, or even sometimes a punishment. You know, if you're bad, and I, if you're doing if you're doing bad, then you know it's not just you, right? It's the teacher, you know, being you know it's not it's not being nice to you, and then your parents and society overall, right? They'll ask you, how good are you at school? What's your ranking? It's still right. There's still a ranking system. Like, oh, I'm in the top five, or I'm top ten. I'm number one. Right? And and it's even bad for for kids that that are really good at doing tests, right? If you're in the top one, the top three, top four, there was there are so much pressure on them to maintain this ranking, right? It's like you know you are Liverpool in a Premier League, right? Every season you have to be in the top five, the top ten. I mean, like for kids. Right, it really narrow, you know. I, you know, it really narrow your your childhood to to maintain this your early achievement, your ranking, and yeah, I think that's kind of sad. It's it's structural, so because I've been a teacher yeah. for a few years, yeah. so it is structural. So even when you try not to use it this way, it's so built into uh, the system that, anyways, it is a ranking and a punishment. But what I wanted to remark on is that you're pointing out uh, what, uh, I don't know all the causes, I'm not a specialist in education, history, blah, blah, blah. Hmm? But one thing for sure is that uh, education is, in fact, a competition system. Instead of being about so many other things, yes, we say it's about knowledge and acquiring, blah, blah, blah. Sure, but down to the very core, it's, it is a competition. And that is a problem. It's a kind of, it's a way of sorting. And I think that, um, sort of, there, there's kind of two things that I've, I've really been remembering recently. Once I went, um, I spent a year in a school in America when I was 10 because um, my dad was doing a year at the university there. And it was a very nice school and like quite ahead and more progressive in lots of ways than the school I had in the UK, which was not so very interesting. And there was a room for the disabled kids like to get some special teaching or whatnot. And I went into there to get some physio. But the way that we had um, 
like we used at the time, really dreadful word. I don't want to say it. The the R word, like R E T A R D. We use that to just, I mean, to refer to each other and to refer to those kids. And I had physiotherapy in the room that they used. They were in different classes from the rest of us. And I came out of that and one of my classmates saw me and she was shocked. She was like, oh, shit, you're one of them. <laughs> right. And I was like very quick to say that I'm not one of them. Right. So there's that even like who gets in the school in the first place is already like a sorting and that they were like, oh, it's inclusive education. But it wasn't. It was like that's you're in the same building, but you're in a separate uh, classroom and everyone knows that they're, they, that that classroom is separate and the kids are just like sort of more aware of that separation. And on the other kind of the other side of that academically is then this these kind of um, elite education institutions that I've went to. And if you're going to hope you guys forgive a bit of a rant here. I went to a sort of the standard secondary school um, that didn't, that's, we call it comprehensive, that everyone can go to. And then I went to the selective school for sixth form. It was a boys, it was a boys grammar school. They don't exist so much um, in this country anymore, but they do where I live. And it led in girls at sixth form and led in some people from outside. But like, it was kind of like 15 girls for a year of 115. So it's pretty like i mean it was as weird as you're going to imagine um and that school it was great it was great segregation segregation yeah a little bit a little and the the it was hilarious like you get the nerdy boys when they're 11 to 16 to wear purple blazers so that in town the regular kids know who to throw stones at right like, <laughs> like, you know who to pick on right because they're marked Anyway, I went to this sixth form. That sixth form, of those 120 people, about 20 or 30 go to Oxford or Cambridge. So it's as good a pipeline into Oxbridge as any school that you could you would like pay a huge amount of money for. That school was great for me. Like I got to learn a lot, but like we got, I was sort of like in further maths, and the teachers kind of ignored us because they knew some of them, because they knew that we would just do really well. And so it's fine. And I got to, like, sort of have a chess club. My previous school didn't have a chess club. Um, I got to have a debating society. I kind of really flourished in there, and it was the pipeline that took me to Cambridge. Coming back now to, to Colchester, this school is in the news, because a couple of years ago, one of the... Uh, women that went to this school then shared in public um, about the rape culture and about sexual assaults at the school and about how the teachers didn't do anything. And then like hundreds of comments came in and the school denied it. Like the school is very proud about how it's a wonderful school, right? So its first reaction to this is definitely not happening here, right? Like it's kind of, we are like just sort of, it's kind of this, this, this our, like we are so good that we don't need to be good at stuff, kind of thing, right? <laughs> okay, yeah. And I mm -hmm. kind of, I've really sort of learned from seeing how it came out. Fortunately, there was an inspection that like classed them as inadequate. So I mean, huge sort of shock for such an arrogant school. And rather than saying, "Look, we're a brilliant school. This is a challenging subject. 
for so many schools where we're going to try and lead on this because we've got a bit more resources than other people. They just sort of took this very defensive thing. And it showed me in that in that elite academic space that I flourished in, who got extra time from teachers? The kids doing very well, right? And if you yeah. weren't doing very well in that environment, what was your, like, why are you here? Right? Rather than saying, <laughs> well, look, you passed a very yeah. competitive exam to get here. You probably belong. We're going to help you. <laughs> it definitely wasn't that attitude. It was the, like, it was a kind of, um, my my brother then said when I went to Cambridge, he said about the college that I went to, look, it exposes talent rather than nurtures it. And so I've really sort of in the past few years been trying to unpick this because the, these institutions were telling me, look, you're doing well because you're smart, because you belong here, because you're smart. Like, and then because you're better than other people is like the thing that's implicit. And that was, it was a very similar environment at Cambridge. And then like, we know we're better than other people and everyone is like bringing up the university unnecessarily. It's got a very strange place in this culture as like Carol, I guess in, in France, the, the Grande Cole have, have a similarly strange place and really disproportionate influence. Um, but this is kind of the, the educational recovery that I'm trying to, that I'm trying to get out of. Obviously then when I chose a master's program in Brazil, I was like, ah, oh, like I hear this is the, the best university to study this subject. That sounds like the place for me. So I went, I went there, and then I saw that they were sort of very stuck up in the same place. They they they've tried to come down off that high horse a little bit, and they they were never quite so arrogant because they weren't Western, right? They 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 were always kind of had some element of critique of it. Um, I don't know how much on topic um, this this is, but think I, I I needed to. I needed to vent about how I'm trying to uh, escape from these uh, these yeah, educational frameworks that I was brought up in and gave a lot of meaning to my life and were uh, like one of my main identities for quite a while. And you and you you've been in uh, the elite mold for long for a long time actually. Yeah, and so trying to um, undo that, but keep the privilege. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, right, when, I, anyway, during my time, right, the access to knowledge is limited, right, because I grew up in an island, right, near the border of Malaysia, and the library wasn't great, right, and the access to book is very limited. Uh, I barely spoke English. But nowadays, right, the kids in this generation, right, even anywhere you go, if you speak the language and you know, happens to know where to find it, the access of knowledge to materials, to like great lectures, they, they are there, right? This kind of like, you know, fragmentation of access to education in terms of like the material itself, it's no longer there, right? You can go on YouTube, you can go to Khan Academy, you know, all this kind of like initiative, distance learning things. I can, right, if I'm, a, if I'm still an undergraduate student, I could go, you know, spend some time with MIT lecturers, right? 
you know, they, they are doing lectures on what they will be teaching st- students at MIT or at Oxford or Cambridge. You know? There's so much materials right now. Right? And, and, and it feels that... Uh, I, I'm just thinking, you know, how... I'm just wondering uh, whether the current education system take advantage of that, right? That is abundance of wealth of accessible materials. Um, that, 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 that's the thing. I mean, that, that's, I'm, I'm just, you know, thinking out of loud right now. One thing about what you're saying, for example, is uh, an hindrance to the current education system taking advantage of uh, the new accessibility to knowledge is probably that they're competing with each other too. <laughs> uh, so I want to go back on what you're saying about the access to knowledge, for example. Um, great knowledge is accessible and at the same time, extraordinary bullshit is also accessible. And so... Uh, I would say, for example, that the not just the tools, but the 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 means to reasoning through uh, something that you see and you don't know if it's a, a valid source or even it is a valid source, but it has a ginormous bias attached to it. You know, like mm-hmm. in schools, like how about schools equip people to be able to navigate this and to understand what is what. And uh, uh, then we could say that the knowledge is accessible. Because right now, for example, I can navigate this because because I've got, uh, and you too, all of us here, we've had an education, we have learned on our own, we've had like so many things helping us understand how to navigate this clearly. But uh, we, you cannot expect that as a natural thing. And, and kind of like if we think about where does the education come from, like it doesn't necessarily come from the classes, right? Like when I'm at school age, um, the moments that I remember shaping my learning as a conversation with my dad, or my dad recommending some books to me and then me reading them and us talking about it, right? When I'm at university, like, I remember I did, like, attend some maths lectures and do some maths exams. But what I really learned from was talking to my friends who were studying maths and then seeing, like, how they were kind of applying that logic and rigor in their daily life. Like, I went on, um, one of one of my best friends is someone that sort of, I mean, I mean sort of, tops exams like to to an absurd extent I went on holiday with them and I'm just I just felt like this holiday is a mental workout right like (laughs) I love it we had like one of the advantages that we we had which is an absolute luxury we had like sort of one-on-one or one-on-two teaching at university and like having I mean it's absolutely hilarious you turn up not having done the work and then you learn to like try and blag it with a world specialist in the field. Like, I mean, there's a thrill. There's a thrill to that. If it goes wrong, you turn out like Boris Johnson. Uh, if it <laughs> if it goes right, you turn out like me. 
what to do, what to do. But that is, but that's, I mean, it's a dangerous game. It's a dangerous game you're playing. But when I think about like what prepared me to then be able to kind of use these different sources of knowledge, it was that sort of close access to teachers. I've really thought about this in terms of, say, um, like I, I used to play chess at school. I started again recently. The amount of chess resources online, absolutely absurd, right? You just got grandmasters streaming chess content all day and you can find the one that most like appeals to you and you most learn from. You have to be quite self-directed and then you have to kind of do some do some stuff. But I do wonder what subjects like it's going to be harder to learn through that. I listen to the MIT lecture and and whatnot, because some subjects you really do need that kind of consistency of like, oh, I made something, someone evaluated it, and then and then you need peers, you need peers, yeah, exactly. Not then just, not just one source. You that other peers. component, when I think about like later studies, it's the conversations in the bar that then that showed me like how to kind of crystallize the learning, showed me how to apply it to my life, showed me how to kind of take it forward. And I remember those as much as like the lessons, whether I needed to go to the lessons beforehand to get the value from that. I don't like, uh, I, maybe. <laughs> there is in, in what you're saying, uh, Peter, there's also like certain uh, understandings and depths of understandings in, in certain types of knowledge. And I, actually, I believe in most, it comes from, Uh, so it's again about access to knowledge. It's like knowledge is access to knowledge also. It's not just having references. It's uh, it's also like building a, a, an available database also inside of you. Because there are certain things you cannot restart from scratch every time. It doesn't make any sense. You, so there needs to be something that helps build up Would you would you mean like that available knowledge? Like for example, if you want to if you want to understand something about because okay, I've studied quantum physics, for example. So at some point you cannot just rely on having heard of or having seen someone say and knowing where that piece of knowledge is. If you want to start reasoning on your own. And entering quantum physics, which I entered at a very low level, huh? <laughs> but still, if you want to enter and be able to actually do something in that field in there, even if it's quite simple, you need all of these not to be just references that are some, somewhere, not a vague uh, 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 perspective or summary or or big picture you need to have quite precise those references inside of you so you can take the next step yeah i think so for instance like maybe a concrete if i've understood kind of concrete example like when covid comes out doji can just plug himself into like a virology podcast And he comes out knowing quite a bit about virology. For a lot of people, that wouldn't work at all because it would be kind of like you'd end up with kind of disorganized fragments of knowledge and not a kind of cohesive thing. And like, I mean, I don't know, maybe that's what, um, what turned that, out from... You know, 
like the they, virologist that is actually giving the the class had to accumulate an, a certain number of knowledge to be able to deliver uh, either new knowledge or navigate the knowledge in a way that can be transferred to somebody else. Uh, that that my my question is that right. Should we expand the meaning of school? Right when we when we say it's about school, are we talking about right? Of course, we we assume that that, that we're talking about the structural, you know, the structured official, you know, system, right? You have you have your primary school, and then you have your universities. Then you jump to extend more. You have master degrees, and you have you know your PhD or something. And it varies between uh, between. But that's right. But is there anything beyond that? In terms of, I'm talking about you know, can we expand the concept of schools beyond that that thing? And should be, can it be a, a new name? I mean, what, what do you describe that? Because you have courses, right? Or you want to learn to do cooking? Or you want to learn to do plumbing? Right? There's all like these mini schools, right? This very hands-on, uh, very specific. Things, they call it adult education in Australia, for example, mm. right? in a TAF system. There's a lot of this kind of courses that you take for six months and you can change your career, extend something. Uh, even how to do podcasts, right? There must be like in the community colleges, you know, in the US and how mass media communication that you can take, yeah. you know, in the evening and you get your degree. So those are schools as well. I think that's a really, that's a really urgent question because sort of universities are under attack, right? And like, I want to defend them, but like, partly they deserve it, right? <laughs> like, yeah. like, I do. I, I seeing seeing my academic friends. I'm like, well, part of me thinks that you guys have been part of a system that has just put walls around knowledge, that has just created abstract, irrelevant disciplines that keep people out. So, do some like the hard sciences? You're like, okay. Like you do genuinely need a lot of jargon and quantum physics is going to be quite hard to get into in any way. Yes, okay, but you could still do more in like popularizing these subjects, right? Humanities, it's kind of sort of embarrassing to the extent that like, oh, I only speak with the other 10 people in the world that have entered my subsection of a subsection of my humanities discipline, right? That is just sort of incredibly specialized and I use public money to publish in a journal that you can't access, right? <laughs> and, yeah. you, and you wouldn't want to. And like they are under attack ideologically by the government and the sort of near, by government, many governments around the world and neoliberal forces that are just sort of squeezing them. And I'm like, well, I, I do want to defend them, but I just don't, I don't love that institution and that way that it's sort of separated knowledge out from people, I think it's kind of the culmination, Dodi, of what you're you're kind of pointing to that the 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 institutions of education now need to be, I guess, a lot more fluid. Is what we're saying, like to to match the fluidness of of information flow and to see to see what's there. But um, they don't seem like uh, they don't mm. seem very fluid. Most of them. But we also use this kind of like certificates from this formal institution as a as a shortcut, yeah. right, as an indicator of someone's capability, 
Right? Oh, you, you, you know, like yeah. in the UK, I think all whether your politicians I'm, come. Whether I'm better than other people or not. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but, you know, but they don't always translate in the real world, right? I mean, like the UK government is full of people from Oxford, right? Like your prime minister, they're either Cambridge or Oxford. Yeah. The American president, they're all Harvard graduates, right? Yale or Harvard, right? They all have this kind of like elite institution pedigree. And then suddenly you see like bank, the bank collapsing and, you know, all the system things are like, oh my God, right? It's just like you have all of these people with marquee degrees. You're supposed to be the smart one, right? But the real world result just showing that no, you're not, you know, when you're is doing it like some pretty despite, basic despite their education that they're doing that or because of their education that they're doing I, that I, is, is, is also the. Yeah, they're exactly question. right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're exactly right. Maybe this bubble, yeah, this bubble of, uh, you know, so that that's the. Th- I think that I think this is the biggest problem right now in terms of because we're talking about employment right now, right? People we use that, yeah, whether somebody's going to get more money or you can, you are able to get into a certain positions in the UN or this this kind of like you know international organizations. People do pay attention to that. It's a, it's a gatekeeping uh, mechanism, right? And the, the, uh, that's increasing. Like if you look at like number of professions where you need a master's to enter, like why do you need a master's to enter? A, and then B, that's like being combined with so many more places to get a master's degree. You need to like invest a lot of money. It's not sort of publicly, it's not publicly accessible. And then maybe to like, carry on entering that profession you need to like self-fund some of your work experience carol you 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 brought up disability at the start so i did want to raise like a couple of things um sort of appreciate you putting it on the table um there are kind of a few things like one we look at disability and education one like first is just that sorting right like a lot of disabled kids have just been like put in a separate place to often like not learn and that is kind of one of the ways that society like sorts people and then you never meet people <laughs> um of with certain types of disabilities because they've been kept away from you and there's no chance to see like what you could do in an integrated fashion whether it's all all or some of your classes or whatever the other view it gives is um like of making sort of classes more accessible and more adaptive, like to try and allow space for people to learn in different ways, right? Currently, that's kind of seems to be navigated like very form- formulaically, like you have to do, so in this country, like you do an application, say you have special educational needs, right? And then like you get like a learning plan and then maybe the school follows that or not. But part of that, for me is like, well, why isn't that a bit more built in that um, like teachers are kind of working out, like obviously they don't have time to do this, but the systems, like the systems stop teachers from being able to work out like what different students might need and and how to approach it. And the other, um, the other aspect that I think about Kara is like the, what should be taught in schools, right? Because on disability, you can see it's a subject, well, like we kept a bunch of the disabled kids out of school 
And then like, we just did not mention disability like in any of the curricula in any way, right? And I think that's obviously disability isn't the only subject there, but I think it's quite interesting and a good challenge for schools how they bring like sort of uh, different political uh, histories and different social identities into the classroom so that everyone is a bit more aware of them. I remember saying to a colleague some years ago, it would have helped me as a teenager to like know more about disability, to know more, to know, say, that while I was at school, the campaigns of disabled people passed a law that would protect my rights, right? That, that just, that did not come up, right? <laughs> that did not yeah, come yeah. up as general knowledge, and that did not come up in my in my school, even though the school was like bound by that law, right? Another really striking aspect, we had um, something called Section 28 in this country, which is what Margaret Thatcher passed, that it was illegal for my teachers to say anything positive about homosexuality, right? And that is quite oh, shocking wow. looking looking back because another playground insult we used in the UK was the word gay, right? And it would it was illegal at that time for the teachers to kind of make a like full proper defense of like why you shouldn't say that. Right. And it's it's just only like very recently did I realize, oh like what the fuck? <laughs> like and there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff you need to undo from that, right? Because that sets you up with like, oh you can like oh you can be sort of like be very progressive, but it set you up with a lot of things that you need to undo to like actually live out live out that progressiveness. And so I think those are real challenges for schools. But like we're saying, like the societies, um, the the societies as well, that uh, like, I guess we do want schools to be, a, like, I guess, like, I mean, it, it would be nice if schools could, could be a place, like Cara, the thing you said that you didn't want at the beginning, like be a place to make something a bit better, <laughs> than we've been able to make outside, right? <laughs> um, it, w- it would be nice if they could do that a bit. If I could add something to what you just said about, because you're saying like, uh, uh, you're saying knowledge of, for example, the history of, uh, the political history of disabilities and education and disabilities, and not just that, you know, like, everything in society and disabilities. So like a, a transference of knowledge, like I summarize this idea under the name of like a class about this, but taught to everyone. It's not optional. <laughs> That's the important thing. But also I'm talking, I would say, the experience. Meaning that uh, uh, with disabilities or without, it's hanging out, something that you mentioned earlier, being together and doing things together to have the experience of being together with all sorts of differences. Here we talk about disabilities, but it can be lots of other things. And I think, you know, for now in schools, like the experience of being together is uh, the the 10 15 minutes uh, break sessions in the courtyard uh, a little bit maybe more in sports but it's with a very like limited framework 
and uh, and then it's at the bar when you're older <laughs> so it's like it's it, like this being together it's very much policed in a way that uh, this is school is not about this but in my opinion it should be about this and this thing that i mentioned earlier you know how to be together uh, uh, in an extended uh, definition, which is how do we actually think as a group of people? What and is Gala, like, we need we need help with that because you were sort of holding court in the in the playground, and so you you had a way of being in that togetherness and sort of flourishing in that togetherness. Like my sort of the outline I gave of being a nerd was sort of like sort of prowling about during break times because I didn't know what group to be with. I was saying that that, that aspect of being together, we do need help with because Carol, it sounds like your, um, your experience of break times, you could be together in a way that really helped you flourish and sort of bring out your performance and debating and whatnot. And my, my memories of break times that there were some like, there, there were some points that I could be really involved in, in games and whatnot, but there were a lot of break times that I was wandering around trying not to look lonely or wandering around not quite knowing where to go because oh, maybe my like, friends were doing something that I couldn't join in with or maybe I didn't sort of have friends or or whatever it was. We need, um, like, as a space to help. They, like, ideally, you could <laughs> help bring people together a little more and like help um help kids uh like myself that weren't that weren't naturally good at that to do that to do that more um rather than like the, the escape of sort of <laughs> yeah, in that sense in that sense what i was commenting on when you were not on is that this was not really togetherness because we were two three stars with a, a court of fans, you know, it's mm. still not being together with all of this group. It was a, it was a little show. Yeah. Right, and the, yeah, it's 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 hard for everyone to kind of make that step to be more vulnerable with each other, um, in a more in a more equal way. Yeah. I like I like kind of what we're what we're bringing out. I think that. Um, my my theory about language learning was that I remember my first like German class and they taught us like how to say the colors of the flag in German. That's like completely irrelevant to anything a 10-year-old wants to say. <laughs> <laughs> An 11-year-old wants to like insult or their Or a 21-year-old for that matter. Exactly, <laughs> but if you'd given me a word to insult my friend, yeah, <laughs> I would remember it to this day. Wallahi. Yeah? Or if you showed me, look, whatever you're interested in, you can look it up in German, right? Like if you like football, well, did you know they've got an amazing football league, right? Like if you like if you like cooking or whatever, then you can follow this, right? If you like music, then you can follow this. If you like cooking, you chose the wrong language. <laughs> Try again. Try again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're trying to help people follow their learning, Carol, not get out of the snobberies we might have, right? Um, because that's, that's the... Learn that's the to red... speak Hindi for crying out loud or Japanese. <laughs> that's, 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 the, that's the kind of advice 
that gives to an adult language uh, an adult language learner or any any level if more and if more subjects could be sort of taught in that way of like uh, these are tools that can help you explore something that might be interesting to you um then that would be really uh that that would be kind of a huge uh a huge a huge shift and really set really set people up and then the other component is that that trying to foster like different connections that that aren't necessarily there between between students or between students in different parts of the community that the school is in and really kind of ex- expose people to different different ideas and experiences and groups um yeah it's it sounds it sounds pretty um it sounds pretty good but carol you've been a teacher <laughs> it yeah. must be it must be because you must have found it very hard to execute your ideas i remember something that'd be interesting you if you wanted to say anything about it, you were talking about how you gave kids in Cairo like um, sex ed lessons without making it sex ed. You, without you were, making it uh, no, you, sex ed? You were like giving them sort of all sorts of sort of um, like destroying destroying their culture and religion, but like under the <laughs> it's just it's just biology. <laughs> it's not haram. It's biology. Yeah. And it sounded like it would be it was really useful probably for your for your teenagers that you could kind of give them like it was a, okay, I have proof that it was useful because nobody ever uh, got me fired <laughs> <laughs> right they never complained <laughs> nobody called on their parents to stop that teacher that is talking about sex in class, you know, and uh, I was not just talking about uh, biology the, the thing is that i put everything i shaped all my answers uh and everything even talking about uh being aroused for a man or a woman i i put everything into uh, uh, the perspective of science so for example also pleasure and being in love and all of that not by saying this is a bunch of chemicals, don't worry, <laughs> not at all, but by talking about how uh, mighty and different our brains are and how incredibly complex our relationships are in society. And this is still scientific, scientific facts, you know. So I would put everything in, in this perspective and I would talk also about, I would talk about like there was a... a a class, an hour and a half, open bar, ask any question. <laughs> and uh, and so I was, uh, during that moment, I would talk also about abuse, uh, power, relationship, rape, uh, all of that, you know. One of wow. the advantages is that I was teaching either in, to, in uh, boys' schools, either in uh, girls' schools. So both parties felt felt completely free, you know, to be a boy or to be a girl about their questions. I talked about masturbation also. I talked about all of that and about the pathways of pleasure for human beings, you know, and that the fact that uh, sexual pleasure, despite 
all the hype and stuff uh, around it is uh, is not something that we're busy with most of the time even as men because <laughs> <laughs> we have there are so and then i would describe you know all like everything that makes a human being and everything that uh, that all the things we want to pursue and everybody could relate to that you know and i spoke also about uh, genital mutilation I spoke and about you, so everything. What was your kind of your personal objective in in doing those things? Personal objective. So first, it's it's actually in the French uh, educational program, and uh, uh, so I felt I was licensed to do it. <laughs> so yeah, you were teaching like this is not everyone like kids in in international schools in Cairo. They might be studying the French curriculum. Yeah, so, so that's a slightly weird thing, but is what happens. Yeah, so yeah. You, okay, so you're teaching to the curriculum, and it's it was uh, what I was teaching is called uh, uh, sciences of life and earth. Oh wow, <laughs> nice. That nice. is nice. That's a wonderful yes. subject. But clearly, you you gave it like an extra effort to make it open to students to kind of talk about. Like to connect that curriculum side with like really what's going on in their life. Yeah, but that's that's how I saw how to be a teacher doing is doing the job, you know, the real job. And uh, this is this is also highly valuable knowledge, especially when you're a teenager. And if I had done this class in France, I wouldn't have done it differently. Not at all, you know. I would have been less cared that somebody would, would barge into class and be like, "Oh my God, there is a, 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 a there is a, a pair of balls and a dick erected, <laughs> drawn on the on the blackboard. What is that?" But that was, you know, that was all part of the of how to, you know. Get everybody relaxed about this. Get everybody to understand like the importance of this, but not the importance as sex is fantastic. You should have uh, pleasure, of course that too. But also that this is like this is a, a tool of like this is a, a means of destruction if it is uh, not understood very simply, and uh, it's very obviously in the world. <laughs> Uh, a, a very problematic, sour issue uh, with uh, sexism and patriarchy and blah 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 blah. You know, so yeah, we we had a fraction of that. I think we had a day that we put a kind of condom on a banana, and then we had a slightly <laughs> weird session that was mixed boy girl, and the teacher asked which girls had started their periods and got them to put their hands up. It was slightly, in retrospect, <laughs> a little bit weird. <laughs> Little bit weird, fourteen-year-olds. But I mean, like, I, like, but we didn't. I mean, maybe we we're just sort of so confused that we didn't, we we didn't realize like what an invasion of privacy there was. But I don't know how the girl felt that put her hand up because there weren't so many that did at that age. Um, yeah. Did what was um, sex ed like in Indonesia, Jody? Well, I mean, like, there was a long time ago, 20, like, 25 years ago, right? 
Uh, Six, I mean, it still existed then, right? Didn't it come? Uh, out? Yeah, yeah. Twenty-five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But we 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 discussed it in in high school, and I went to a really good Jesuit high school. So it was somebody just just it, it was it was taught in the context of uh, biology. So we're talking about the organs and things like that, and yeah, that's. But I barely remember any of those. So, but the thing is, right now, nowadays, right, if you go into school in high school and everything, you get your education from the internet through porn and through you know, like through memes and animes and everything. But that's yeah. uh, that's a huge. We uh, didn't have that. It's a bit of you know? a problem. That's a huge problem. Like that's that's a huge uh, a huge problem that you need to kind of reeducate. <laughs> in different um in different ways and like that thing that we're talking about like proactively search out the better things i remember a biology teacher that was teaching us about artificial insemination among like cows and whatnot and she was like look i'm not going to teach this but read it in the book (laughs) (laughs) but she i think she read the room because she was like she was a female teacher she didn't quite have like full class control, we were fourteen. I think yeah. she, I think she made the correct, the correct decision. Like if she's had a bit more class control and a bit more sort of um, Carol's many years of performing to fourteen year olds, it sounds like <laughs> as as a fourteen year old and then as a teacher, um, she she could have done it, but she didn't. I think she made like for her the right decision for her and for us. The, the the right the right decision and then we can be like embarrassed but then we're also not going to bring it up and like blah blah and that's like that's about animals right let alone about sort of anything like we might be we you might be going to. through a feeling or whatnot anything you might be relating to i just want to to say to mention something before i forget which is interesting like uh, as a teacher in france uh, there is a curriculum that you're supposed to teach, but how you're going to go about that is entirely up to you. So you have uh, uh, la liberté d'enseigner, the freedom uh, of of teaching. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Freedom to teach. Instruction, yeah. instruction. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's really interesting because, of course, it, it can backfire, and then you have really lame teachers. But it allows uh, people that come in with like really something to to really pour it in what they do inside the classroom during the hours that are marked for this. But Carol, I think like this, um, like I kind of I really love the ideas that we're exploring in this. Um, in this conversation, I think that they've sort of helped clarify a bit for me, like the ways that I might want to interact with kids in my life to kind of really focus on that curiosity aspect and like how to encourage them to pursue that curiosity. But like, I, it's, I really struggle to relate it to how schools might be different because I just, see so many incentives um that are going to keep them the same right are going to keep them more exam based like whether that's from like the kind of ministry of education that wants to change something or a school 
that is then like getting funding partly on exam results or getting students partly on exam results or needs to show that and then the exam bodies and then parents like that they're like oh look everything else being equal and yeah we do want our kids to flourish and blah 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 we want them to pass their exams because then they can like do this thing next and x y and z like in that whole ecosystem like i find it really i don't quite see sorry it's going to be so sort of like negative <laughs> at the end um towards the end of very inspiring conversation i just don't like see how that would be different within these institutions and it so it maybe comes down to like what well, our our own experience as well where it's been like outside of school or with a teacher that that takes that liberté the enseigner um or or however it is that we can sort of find this ways to set up uh set up how we learn and pursue our curiosity Peter, I was imagining this conversation uh, so that we can dream a bit because, yeah, like to transform the educational system is uh, is a huge endeavor. And, uh, of course, the entire rigging for now is not going that direction. But we can still dream because the world is Uh, transforming fast and uh, and you know it's like it's it's part of like putting the the idea into motion so that it becomes something like first at least say it out loud (laughs) yeah well i think but we're all we're all involved in it in different in different ways as well carol to be sorry to be more more positive like in in a conversation Dodie and I had recent in a recent episode Dodie was saying I like the programmers he gets a kind of a kind of like oppressed by the systems they come out of so he kind of works with them to kind of be able to find their talent in a different way like I'm trying to spread propaganda and information about disability that, that sort of helps people at from from a different place sort of pursue that curiosity you're trying to convince people about regenerative agriculture and really sort of drag them uh drag them into it so we're all yeah we're all like to be more positive i think we're all doing like pieces of pieces of that puzzle um we're already big dreamers <laughs> <laughs> yeah. doji sorry you were going to say something uh no no i mean it, it's i think there's a lot of rooms outside the formal education structure, right? If you want to contribute within this, you know, uh, in terms of like you're talking about education in general, right? Uh, things like, you know, just study on podcasts, study on club, uh, have uh, regular meetings with your friends and to discuss about certain topics, right? Offline, offer dinners. And, and, and this kind of like conversation, like building, like Caro mentioned before, just being together, Right, just being together and and create a safe space for people to explore their curiosities and and exchange information and knowledge, right? And have a, a set up a community, like you say, Peter. You have a, this language community, right? In 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 your place, right? And different conversation group. That that is you know an exchange of knowledge, right? That is an that's a school, 
right? That that is actually a form of school. Um, um, but it it does, yeah. It, it so I think right. Everybody can participate in this, and and the way to do it is to invite people right to your own circle of social circles, and and then start engaging them uh, in in the topics that they care about or the topics that you care about, and. Yeah, and start from that, right? Because I think trying to fix uh, this, the the formal structures, right? That is a lifelong, you know, that's a really hard way to do it, right? Because unless you you are an expert, you know, the thing is, right, you have to be, you know, you have to have your work on the education system full-time or maybe you have to have a PhD somewhere to be taken seriously, and you have to be many people doing this at the same time. <laughs> there you go. Right? Because this structure exists before us and it's continue, right? And there's so many people, you know, propping up this, this, this education system, right? And of course, it varies between countries, but, you know, and it's also the industry, right? The workspace, depending on the structure, right? So this is such a big structure. And if you want to contribute, you contribute outside the formal education system uh, and and i think i you, think that that yeah. really that really sums up like when i hear people say oh there should be more of like whatever subject in schools that's given like a really sort of concrete thing that i can think or say in response study it's like well like if we want to learn more about sort of colonialism in this country like let's learn like let's talk about colonialism talk about Sort of like in 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 this town, we've got these older buildings. Like, where did they come from? <laughs> like, who did we rob? Right, um, and whatnot. For for example, um, no, that's that's really that's uh, really great, um, really great advice. Really. I would like to react on this with a little bit of sourness. You're never because... taking turns with the sour, so your turn, yeah. <laughs> Doji hasn't been sour yet, he can do it afterwards, yeah. It's just that you're, what, what you are talking about right now is taking time outside of your usual, uh, your uh, daily structured life, you know, to do this. So it means that you have this time or you manage to take this time and there's a lot of privilege uh, involved in this for many people even for people that are highly educated you know like, uh, so that's also again we, we come back to like structures within structures within structures yeah i mean yeah, yeah that's very true and and sort of also, in fact, applies to school, right? Because you've got to take, often got to take time off from schooling to learn, right? Because <laughs> right? yeah. you, you've got to go to the the We'd extra like to change that <laughs> the the extra thing um, uh, to to get the learning that isn't just about isn't just about your exams. Um, but Carol, you you came with big um, you came with big. Uh, Big questions. Um, would you do you feel this? How do you feel this conversation kind of took them forward, or like gave you new questions, or kind of where are you? 
where are you kind of landing? Uh, I don't know exactly. Uh, I don't know exactly. I found this conversation uh, very interesting. And I would say let's talk a lot more about this and all the, the points that we raised, you know. I, if I, uh, like, I would like to go back to what you were saying, Dodi, about expanding the, what school means. And uh, this is one of the things that I, like, this would be for me the summary of um, why I uh, suggested this conversation. Because it's all about classes and topics and uh, marking and blah, blah, blah. And uh, what we've been talking about is uh, carving space inside the school that is not classes, that is uh, not topics, that is not additional hours, <laughs> and uh, and that is about values, about uh, building together, about knowing each other, about free uh, ranting without... A hierarchy, like making sure that everybody has a say and stuff like that. Like, so, so yeah, that's how I feel about this conversation. Uh, uh, there is something, there is a, an idea that I would like to talk about just to mention because I found it uh, extremely interesting. But maybe now is not the, the, the time. Like, but I would like to mention that before we part. <laughs> they put it on the table, put it on the table and we see. So there is a, a French uh, writer that, that uh, wrote a, a sci-fi series that is called Esperanza 64. I don't think it's been translated. It's, uh, so uh, in this book... Uh, which is about uh, migrating to another system. <laughs> In this book, uh, there is uh, the invention of a different kind of school so that uh, human beings can be accepted as an evolved species <laughs> in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> and so that school is a school in which it is built in uh, the classes, like the, the very structure, uh, the notion of imperfection. So there is still the notion of excellence and of pursuing excellence and ha being uh, allowed and supported to do that. But there is also uh, the, the right to being imperfect. Yes, I am painting and it's really bad, we would say, but I am doing it in an imperfect way, and it is something. It is also supported, etc. And I found, when I read that book, I found this, uh, there are some crazy ideas in this book that are, like, really nice. And, and this one, I was like, whoa, you know, yes. Because if you think about it, like, you can be, you can be a communication specialist, for example, and you can be a fantastic, absolutely incredible one or a very average one or a not much one. All of this is allowed. 
there is a job for you. Like jobs exist at all these different <laughs> shades, you know. But if you're a philosopher or a painter, there's no such thing. You're either fantastic or you don't exist. Mm. You don't qualify yeah. as. And so that's the, that's for example. I think that sums up um, why we make a bad podcast. <laughs> not at all that wasn't my intention why are you being so naughty <laughs> yeah Doji why are we being so naughty any um, any any notes you'd like to pass people to help cheat on their exams to to close off Doji or any any naughtiness I think we should just no. I'm. Um, I think any questions for Carol's sex ed class? Oh, <laughs> because I feel you didn't cover a lot of ground. You didn't cover a lot of ground in Indonesia and your self education on the internet, Dodi. I have to oh ask God. questions about. So um, everybody's going to think that I was teaching just that for hours on end. Yeah. Uh, no. I mean, like I think. I, I, I like, I think, well, what um, what Carol says in the, like what uh, Carol says about the book, and we should just end it there, you know. That's the, that's the last word. So amazing! Our education is complete. Thank you for listening to this episode of Carol Calling. If you have any further thoughts please share it to us at kairocollings.substack.com. Music and production by Tarek. Creativity by Ralph. And thank you, Carolyn, for your brilliance that made this episode possible. Have a nice day.